You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is The Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. down the road sometime. You, you can't touch that, though. <laughs> I don't have a bracelet. Can I have a piece of paper towel? You need towel? a, I didn't a put fidget? On, I do. A I didn't fiddly put on, fidget? I didn't put on any bracelets today because usually I sit there and twist a bracelet. I never knew you were so fidgety. Are well, you, you nervous? I think I'm probably somewhat ADD because I don't sit still very well. When I think Sean was, too, honestly, because when I homeschooled him, he could sit every which way in a chair but straight. And when I watched him in college, he could study for 15 minutes. 15 minutes was his limit, and then he had to get up and do something. So many people discovering this as adults. But if it's not that, just easily distracted. <laughs> Usually I take my very fine bracelet and I just twist around my finger and roll it around and take it off and twist around my finger. You break it? Uh-uh. No. That's interesting. I can't we drink my tea either, huh? Homemade fidget spinners here today. <laughs> well, you can totally drink your tea. There is such a thing as not being able to listen to people make mouth sounds, oh. chewing. I have a kid at home that's like. I do too. I'm trying to think of the scientific <laughs> term for that, but there is one. There is. It is, yeah. Yeah. Kid, people with ADHD have it. It drives them crazy. Mm-hmm. I think Greg said this. We watched a really interesting video on... At class, you said. You were yeah, talking about Netflix it. Netflix called The Reason I Jump or Why I Jump, and it was about autistic children. It was very interesting. We're going to watch it again, I think. We've been enjoying Love on the Spectrum. They're in their second season. And I it's, haven't. It's about autistic people who are working towards dating and marriage and kind of watching their journeys together and... Oh my gosh, we love Michael. If anyone watches Love on the Spectrum, Michael's our man. <laughs> oh, enjoy him. I haven't watched anything since. <laughs> For forever, huh? Forever, yeah. I don't even know what's out there anymore. We ready? Sure. It's a night one. Jordan you, said. This is nice. I know. Jordan said I look like Hillary Clinton. Oh, you. <laughs> I'm dressed like Hillary Clinton. I was going to say, whatever For those of you who need a visual of (laughs) us at the Shine podcast. It's not sweatshirts and (laughs) it's like a very formal sweatshirt with a zipper. Yes. So I borrowed it from Grandma Sue because I was in a suit jacket and I didn't want to come dressed up. So now I look like Hillary Clinton, (laughs) according to my 20-year-old. Great, great. (laughs) I don't know if he meant that as a compliment. I kind of don't think he did. But anyhow, welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Eliza. Eliza. You need a uh. It's Katrina. And we are here today with... Marta. Yes. Marta Allison Humphreys Aker. Welcome, Marta. Thank you. We're so glad to have you here. Did you keep both last names? Did you hyphenate? No. No. Okay. Sorry, I was just wondering. I like those four names. Marta Allison Humphreys Aker. You've heard Marta, if you are a frequent listener of our Shine podcast. Love Boat. Da, 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 da. I don't even know the words to Love Boat. But her and Greg shared their love story and talked about relationships 
February 7th, 2021. Marta was born in Akron and raised in Marion, Ohio. She attended the Presbyterian Church her whole life until she met Greg Aker, who was a little bit of a hippie back then and brought her to a group of hippies. So if you've been following the podcast and heard Bruce Strafler talk about the beginning days or Greg talk about the beginning days of the upper room. It's a fun story to hear. And Marta has been around for a long time. 43 years. 43 years. She knew she wanted to be an art teacher when she was in fourth grade. Mm -hmm. She took a test from Case Western Reserve, like a career test in her senior year of high school. And it said she would be a great art educator or a religious educator. So she went on to... What does that mean? A religious educator. When I was in public school fifth and sixth grade, every Friday we had religious education. Oh. And someone came in and taught us Bible in public school. You're dating yourself. <laughs> I am dating myself. <laughs> that was I, a thing. I still have some drawings that I did at that time. Marta went to Ashland University. She got a bachelor's in science and education art and a bachelor's of fine arts degree in printmaking and pottery. She's a potter. <laughs> She's taught children's art in public and Christian schools for a total of 25 years. She homeschooled for a total of six years. She's had other jobs. She's been in charge of the Scholastic Art Awards. She's a cookie decorator, a florist. She's very creative. She's been retired for eight school years. She was taking care of her mom until she passed away. And then she was taking care of her brother until he passed away. And she was taking care of her grandkids, Kenley and Abel, until they moved to Florida. And I'm sure we'll hear more about that today. Marta is super creative. She can do anything you can think of. She knows how to do it. <laughs> that you don't even know that True she facts. can do. She can do it. And it's all in her purse, too. <laughs> <laughs> Kenley said, she goes, Mama, you can fix anything. Are Truth. you Mama and Papa? And we're mama and papa. Aww, that's sweet. She's into baking, sewing, flower arrangements. She also loves to encourage women. Her and Greg have been married for 42 years. They have two adult children. Sean is married to Heather, and they have a two-and-a-half-year-old Lola. Mm -hmm. And Leslie is married to Colby, and they have Kinley, who is eight, and Abel, who is five. Marta has been at the Upper Room for 43 years there's not a part of this church that her fingerprints are not on. Mm -hmm. I love this. Her her real job at the upper room is being the caulker, which I thought was like a literal job around here because I've <laughs> tried caulking before and it's a pain in the butt and you have to be skilled. But really, she fills in so many gaps at mm -hmm. the church. She's a deacon. She is a shine group leader. She's the head of the mission council. She's in charge of the welcome center. Her and Greg have led many home groups over the years, and they're currently teaching a marriage class that's going on right now. So, Marta, we are so happy to have you here yeah. solo this time. Uh -huh. It was fun fun to have you and Greg here. Greg was a little lonely without you, but... <laughs> he survived just fine, I'm sure. He survived. So now it's the Marta show. So welcome. Good. So, Marta, tell us who or what turned your light on. In growing up, we had a cleaning lady at our house. My mother was not a good cleaner, so she had a cleaning lady named Delia, and she was an amazing lady, and she would just go through the house just singing worship hymns, so I'm sure that she prayed for me a lot. <laughs> we went to church. 
My dad was an elder, a Sunday school teacher. I was in choir. But who turned my light on was probably Greg. I chose to do some things that weren't God-ordained. <laughs> hmm. And so when I, when I met Greg uh, and we went out for the first time, he asked me some questions, and I was very honest in my answer. And he prayed with me immediately. And on my heart was I wanted to marry somebody that would go to church with me. I desperately wanted to marry someone, you know, that wanted to be part of God. And a couple months before I had gone out with Greg or re-met Greg, because I had met him briefly, like six months before, five months before, I had prayed, Lord, change me, change my life, give me somebody to love, uh, give me a new job, do something because I'm absolutely miserable. That was my prayer for about four nights in a row, bawling my eyes out every night. Because so. you had just moved to the area you were teaching. Yeah, I'd been here five years. Oh, you had been here five years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and I went to church and sometimes I would just sit in church. I don't know that I listened to the sermon that much, but I thought about my week and what I had done that week and what I maybe could do better. And I did not at that point have a personal relationship with the Lord. But what's interesting when I look back was he was, he was my steady, my rock. So that's pretty interesting, you know, and I knew that I wanted somebody that would go to church with me and sing hymns and be involved in church. Um, so he was present in my life, even though I had, I had no idea that you needed to ask him into your heart. Presbyterian Church didn't offer that, didn't talk about that. I didn't have that part of the relationship. So when I met Greg, he was sharing that he'd met a girl that talked like Jesus was her best friend and he was real. And so he wanted that. So, you know, as we talked and he prayed with me about my past and he talked about his past. So um, I would say that that was, that was just amazing. And probably about three weeks after that, I told my mom, I think I could marry this guy. And she's like, whoa, slow down. Was it a quick engagement? Uh, no. I mean, it wasn't long, long, but that was February 78. And we got married in August of 79. Probably a little slower because he was a little bit nervous. Didn't want to be hurt again. And I didn't want to be hurt again either. So how did your life change, even though you were sitting in church and you felt God's presence and you had a desire to serve him? How did your life change when you accepted Jesus as your savior and like he became a friend to you? Well, the lifestyle of my past was done. And I wanted to know more of the word because, you know, I'd read some, I mean, we read some in Sunday school and things like that. But to read on my own. I knew that I needed more, and it was a process in learning to allow myself to be forgiven. I came to a place, I remember being at Lynn Hamilton's, and someone was sharing about us being the apple of God's eye. And I'm thinking, well, you may be, but I'm not. <laughs> and then a couple weeks or months later, I'm standing in the mirror, you know, doing my hair, and it's like, that's either true or that's not true. If it's true and I don't accept it, I'm calling God a liar. And God is not a liar. I knew that. So I had to accept that. Then I had to work through, okay, if I'm the apple of his eye and I don't feel like that, how do I get there where I feel like that? How, you know, it was a process of forgiving myself. And that's a long, that's a hard thing for some people to forgive themselves. That's a process. What did that process look like for you? There was some counseling. 
There was reading the word, believing the word. Mm -hmm. You can read it, but do you believe it? And that's something that we've talked about a lot here at church. I would say more so in the last several years, you know, we say whatever, but scripturally, but do we really believe it? Mm -hmm. And so I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And and uh, also the people, I'm not sure if Greg said this, but if it hadn't been for the people at the upper room, we didn't have family here. And the upper room was my family and still is. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were even talking about that. I mean, it's not on the podcast yet, but with over the during the women's conference with Mel, that you really can't have full inner healing. You really can't have true inner and emotional health without community. You mm-hmm. cannot have those things without good people who become family or, you right. know, or Mel called them the committee, you know, those people <laughs> that hold you up to help you do that, to help you do the process of self-forgiveness right. and... Well, I think it's so beautiful because you and Greg, you know, you felt that way coming here and not having family and maybe feeling isolated, but you two are champions Mm -hmm. in our church of embracing new people and welcoming them in and getting people plugged in and being family for the people that came behind you that maybe don't have families. And you Mm -hmm. guys do that so beautifully. And I think you know the benefit that it was for you guys when you were younger Mm -hmm. and you want to make sure the people coming behind you have that as well. Right. Absolutely. Because there are a lot of people who are extremely (laughs) self-conscious, even more so than perhaps me. (laughs) So they need encouraged and loved and accepted just where they are. And I got to experience that. I still get to experience that. And Marta knows every, she knows you all. (laughs) She takes attendance. And sometimes when I fill in for her, I'm looking at a list of names. I'll be like, I'll call Marta or text her. Who's this? I don't know who they are. They don't sit on the right side. (laughs) I'm going to have to change and sit on the left side one day. But that's a gift. Teaching school, though, and having 730 students and you needed to know their names helped you learn how to learn names. (laughs) And so for me... We're talking about ADAD, but but everybody learns differently. And for me, writing things down helps me remember them because it's part of being a kinesthetic learner. Mm -hmm. You have to move things. So writing them down helps. So I usually go back to my seat and write their names down so that I can remember them. That's really good. And then go back and look at them next Sunday before they show up. (laughs) And that was another prophetic word from Clem. I remember that one. Yes. Yeah, he didn't know me from a hole in the wall, and he said, you know everybody. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And I was like, ding. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Yeah, so for all you section greeters out there, because I know you're listening, that's a great tip from Marta. Mm -hmm. When you greet them, you go back to your seat and write their names down. Before you section greet the next week, you look at your little paper. Put it in your little notebook. Keep it in your purse. Section greeting 101 from Marta. (laughs) That's great. So, Marta, tell us, what lights you up? My grandkids, there's one. I enjoy my grandchildren. Affectionately called Mama. <laughs> yeah. I don't get to see my little, my youngest one much. They're coming Thanksgiving. After Thanksgiving, oh. they're coming. But just watching her, she's such a happy little thing. But it's, I love my grandchildren. Mm-hmm. I love my children. I enjoy helping people, I think, what lights me up. And you do that so well and so much. And all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, just part of being an art teacher is you're observant. 
and just noticing when people are either struggling physically, like getting in a building or something, holding the door, or seeming to be sad or have their hands full. I just like to help people. Can you walk us through that period in your life where where you you recognize that all these roles that you had in helping being a mom, being a grandma, taking care of the grandkids, taking care of your mom, taking care of your brother, and all of that changed. Can you tell us that story about what you found out about yourself? They were all tied to a position. Yes, they all had a title. They all had a title. You know, I was Greg's wife. I was Sean's mom. I was Leslie's mom, Audrey's daughter. I was Bruce's sister, his grandma. And I came to the place where the best title was being the Lord's daughter. And I didn't have to do anything. I was just his daughter. And to rest in that. You know, and I do enjoy helping people. And I remember helping a particular set of people, a small family. And they were so appreciative. And I kept thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, you know, just being me, you know, cooking a meal, doing this, doing that. And came to the realization that just being me is the way God designed me. And I'm just doing what he called me to do. And that was good not to have to have a title other than the Lord Star. And so that's a, a resting place to be. That's a freeing place to be. And I'm Greg's wife, and I enjoy that role. Hmm. I still enjoy the role of being mom and grandma. Do you want to talk about the season of having the grandkids move to Florida? It was hard. That was very hard. I have to say, Leslie and the kids moved in with us for three weeks in January, and then we all got COVID. (laughs) I was actually kind of (laughs) happy, not that we had COVID, but we couldn't go anywhere. We were just there together before they moved away. That was hard, but my mom, well, I didn't didn't grow up with family around because my dad was from Cleveland. We were in Marion. My mother was from British Columbia, Canada. That family was far away. And then when when I got my teaching job here, I didn't have family around. And when Greg and I got married, we didn't, you know, our family wasn't around. So Sean was already out and on his own. He'd been to Colorado and back and was back in Columbus. Having Leslie moved to Florida was not a huge surprise in a way because I moved away and my mom moved away. And so, I mean, it wasn't a huge surprise even though it was kind of a surprise, but it was part of the family history. Maybe the surprise was how it impacted you. (laughs) So before they left, we made plans to go to Florida in a month. So that was just four weeks. That made it easier. So we went the end of February and March, and then we went again in May. And then they came in July, and we just got back from there. So Uh, Being able to go visit is good. Being able to talk on the phone is good. Being able to Skype is good, but it's still hard. I can still do those things, and I I still pray for them (laughs) constantly. So it was a transition, but it also has allowed me, not having mom and Bruce and the kids, uh, has allowed me to spend more time with women. So uh, it's, it's been fun just developing some relationships and rekindling some old relationships that kind of got put on a, a shelf for a while, ministering to my mom and my brother and help Leslie and Colby with the kids. Some of that just had to sit on a shelf for a while. And so rekindling some of those and, and making some new friends and mm-hmm. ministering to other people has been a good thing. And I know that that's part of what I'm supposed to be doing. And I know that that had to sit for a season, but it was it was 
it was right. It was good. And I don't resent any of that. So, Well, and rolling into our next question about how are you letting your light shine in this season, even though you've been a helper your whole life, it's part of who you are. This really is a new season for mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So talk to us about in the midst of being a new season, and there's some pain in that because mm-hmm. you, you've you lost some loved ones. Your mom and your brother passed away, and you know the grandkids are, are further away. Talk to us about how you're letting your light shine right now. I volunteered to Waste Station some. I got to a place where it's like, it's time to go back to the Waste Station. When I retired, I volunteered there, and I worked with single moms. And I, I really wanted to help children, but I didn't want the responsibility of school. So if you help moms who are struggling, you help children. But when my mom needed help, then that had to lay down for a while. So anyway, I'm back at the waste station. Different role, but I'm still back at the waste station. I have some touch with the lady that runs Pathways for Independence, which is a program through the waste station that helps people, small families, get on track and find out what their gifting is and try and help direct them on a job path that maybe is more in their gifting and help work with them financially and get them off of assistance. You know, they want to do that. It's an effort, but it's a year-long program. And so I'm connected with a lady that's that runs that program through East Liverpool and Columbiana. And so I'm gonna ment I'm supposed to be mentoring with her. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Something else that we've realized is we've made a lot of connections over the years, both of us. And so we can connect people in places to get help that we don't have to do it all ourselves. (laughs) So You guys are a great resource. So Mm -hmm. that's a good thing. We have connections. And we're not afraid to ask. So connecting my station. I started an extra prayer group. It's something I felt like I could do. So we have Tuesday night prayer, and but not everybody can come on Tuesday night. So um, I started one on Thursday mornings. So Thursday mornings from 9 to 10, uh, some of us get together and pray here at the upper room. Just being me, reaching out, watching out over my neighbors, connecting with my neighbors, just keep in touch with them. Some of them know the Lord, some of them don't. And uh, just trying to be a helper where I can be a helper, I guess. And solid props to Greg and Bardo with the neighborhood, because I am one of their neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) I'm testimony to how amazing they are in the neighborhood, how they bring people together. They create bonds and relationships with people in the neighborhood. They have neighborhood picnics at their house. They know what's going on in people's lives. And if you go outside my front door, you can look around and any given day, Marta or Greg are outside talking to her neighbor or their cars pulled over to the side of the road and they're talking to Diane, talking to John. They care about people. Mm -hmm. So they watch over them and they make sure they don't need anything. I think that's foreign right now sometimes with neighbors. totally foreign. I mean, I I don't have a lot of neighbors because I have a cornfield across the street and a wetlands to the left of us. And we do have neighbor John who we see him in the summertime when he mows his grass. But (laughs) I think a lot of people are isolated in their neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. They come in, they pull in their garage, they shut Mm -hmm. their garage door and they go in their house. 
<laughs> so you don't you don't even see people anymore. That's amazing that you guys are the friendly neighborhood greeters. I mean, it's, I think it's important to know who lives around you and to be able to care about them. I mean, I had great childhood memories of all of us neighbor kids playing together and everybody was welcome in anybody's house. And I don't think that's quite so much that now. And the neighborhood that we live in either has all seniors, except for Chris and Kate, maybe two other couples have all youngers and no kids. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, it's fun to mix up those age groups and and let them know that there's somebody around that cares for them. Mm -hmm. We had a neighbor in our old neighborhood. He bought a snowblower, and he said if anybody wanted to chip in on buying that snowblower, he would keep it in his garage, he would maintain it, and he would keep gas in it. But we could use it whenever we needed to, and we were welcome to use it on some other neighbor's yard or sidewalk driveway, but we couldn't charge for it. So we said, sure. And so like we would plow our neighbor, our our driveway, and then we go across the street and plow the people across the street. And then after the lady died across the street, we kind of watched out for the older fella. Even when we moved away, we stayed in touch with him. And he came to the Lord and Greg got to baptize him and Greg got to bury him. That was just really cool. We just loved him just where he was. And my dad was like that. And my grandma was like that. They just cared about people. And you do it so well. I feel like a ton of what Marta does is also behind the scenes. I mean, you see her often in the roles that she carries in ministries and leading those small groups and ministries. But today we had a CCMA meeting. You know, you come in and there is a whole entire spread of food and soup and salad and dessert. And it's all put together by Marta for all of the ministerial association coming to meet together and It's these little things that she does that are a blessing to people, but they're behind the scenes and, but they speak to her care and yeah. What's your favorite thing to do right now to, for your creative outlet? I was working with Kenley, teaching her how to sew. So we did hand sewing and she was petrified of it at the beginning. And by the time we were done with the little quilt, she was really good. And then we did machine sewing. And then when she came this summer, we made a dress. So that was a lot of fun. So she wants a sewing machine. So today I just bought a used sewing machine for Mm. her. (laughs) And I found another little cute pattern that I'll make for her, but to teach her how to sew. So that was a fun thing. I want to learn to do the new, it's not new, it's been around for a couple of years, but the calligraphy, uh, Wesley does a wonderful job at it. So I bought a book on how to do that. I like to work with paper, cut paper and make cards and send notes and So I like to work with paper and make three-dimensional things out of flat paper. You do origami? I have. I know how to do that. So, but paper's always fun because you always have paper around. I've seen some of those videos on like Instagram where they're making origami. And I'm like, who, who thinks of this? Like fold it this way and that way. And all of a sudden you have a duck with a flower in its bill. <laughs> it is amazing. My brain does not I don't work think that origami's way. for threes. I don't <laughs> I don't think that is uh, I was origami. Just, I was just talking to somebody today and they want to do stars on their wedding reception and and I said, you know, I learned how to take a flat piece of paper and fold a five-pointed star that's three-dimensional. I said, I saved I saved the folding step by step. I said, I'll have to show it to you. Cuz then she could put them together and and do her reception inexpensively. Oh, God bless you. (laughs) 
there's a lot of fun things that I taught the fourth graders when I taught them to do. We did math, but we did paper, and we made three-dimensional stars and the star snowflakes. And that was just a lot of fun, and there's so many other things you could take and do with that. It's like, I have a box sitting in the basement. Someday I'll play with those things. But I haven't done that yet. <laughs> still busy. Still, still moving still and shaking. Full. Yes. <laughs> um. Do you have a supernatural story that you'd like to share? I was thinking about that today. It's like, what would I share? I don't, this kind of frustrates me a little bit. I don't dream a lot. And I'm thinking, I'm a creative person. Why am I not dreaming? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I don't dream a lot. But probably four months ago, we were at Thursday morning prayer and we were praying. And all of a sudden... I'm visually seeing a bunch of ants down by my hands in my lap. And we were praying about workers for the church, that the leadership does a great job. But as we expand and go into different arenas like the podcasts and the sermons going out and writing, developing our curriculum, thank you. And publishing that, you know, that takes more workers and, and needing an office manager and, you know, just whatever other areas God's going to take us into. Chris and Bruce and you, Kate, and Greg can't do it all. They just need help. And so we were praying about workers and, and all of a sudden he, I'm seeing all these ants in my lap and it's like, I had to look twice. It's like, oh, <laughs> but there were lots of helpers. And it's like, okay, this is good. I've never visualized anything like that before. Never. That's so interesting. We, last night, Rin has this big Bible test coming up at the end of the week. But one portion of her test is talking about animals and insects that are used in scripture as metaphor. And one of the metaphors were ants. So we were talking. That's so funny that you're mentioning this now. We were just talking about what ants mean. But do you want to talk about that? Even as we see like in Proverbs, what ants are and what they represent. Yeah, they're, they're hard workers and they work together and help each other. And so we, we pray about that often, you know, that the Lord would send, if they're not here already and need to be risen up, that the Lord would send them, that they would come in with a heart for the house and have a vision to move forward like we want to move forward. That was one. The other one that I thought of was my kids were little. And we had this older neighbor lady. She was in her 80s, and her name was Elsie. She was kind of by herself. Her kids were grown. And so we just kind of connected with her. <laughs> she was out our backyard through one neighbor's yard, but over there. And so we connected with Elsie. And she would come, and she would just stay in the backyard while the kids played so we could go for a walk when they were old enough to be left but still needed supervision, you know. Anyway, so Elsie was a Christian. I enjoyed going over and just visiting with her because I didn't have my grandmas around. And she was by herself a lot. One day, home group was coming later in the evening. And I told Greg, I need to go see Elsie. So, you know, we'd had a relationship with her for a couple years. And he's like, well, don't be too long because home group's coming and we have to have dinner. I was like, I know, I know. So I'm over and I'm talking to Elsie. She had divorced like in the 30s, and that was a no-no. People didn't do that. But he was abusive to her and the girls. They had two girls. And so she's like, we're not doing this. 
So she divorced her husband. So that was a big social faux pas in that day. And so she worked and she raised her girls. And I just, I just felt like I needed to ask her when, when I was over talking to her that day. Her health was declining, and I, I just felt like I needed to ask her if she'd ever forgiven her husband. And we talked about that. We prayed about that. She forgave him, and she died three days later. And when I saw her, I knew that her health had declined some, but I didn't realize it was that much. I was grateful that the Lord told me, and Greg even came over at one point. He goes, are you coming home? I said, I'll be there. I'll be there. Not to worry. So, But I just knew that I needed to talk to her. I knew that I needed to talk to her. That was, to me, a supernatural experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't see angels or anything, but I just knew that I needed to go talk to Elsie. And I wasn't going over with that in mind to bring that up, but it just, when I got there, it's like, I need to ask her if she's ever forgiven him because forgiveness is a big deal. Mm -hmm. I love how God does that with us. Mm -hmm. You know, he, sometimes I think we're looking for billboard signs, but it's the still quiet voice of God prompting you to go somewhere, do something, say something, meet somebody. Mm -hmm. I, I also know that I learned that when you get those, I learned the hard way. When you get those sensings that you need to do something, that you need to follow through. I had another friend that had cancer, and she was doing pretty well, and then she had implants put in, and then it didn't go well. She was dying, and I knew I needed to go see her, but I was letting something in my life keep me from doing that, and she died, and I didn't get to go, and I didn't get to share Jesus with her, and... I really regret that. So I kind of learned the hard way that if you get those senses that you need to go do something, you better go do it. I mean, back to Elisa's word this weekend, Jesus is our friend, but is he also our Lord? And have we submitted to everything he asks to Mm -hmm. be obedient to Mm -hmm. him? It's not like this harsh, cruel (laughs) obedience kind of thing that I think we kind of imagine in religion sometimes. But it is submission right. to that still small voice mm-hmm. that that gives us the opportunity to affect people and change people's lives. Like that still small voice that says, hey, talk to her about has she forgiven her husband? These moments. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she went to heaven with a clean slate. You know, she let go of that anger and that bitterness and that resentment. You know, and she maybe had just kind of put it in the past, but to actually be released from that totally was just a really cool thing. Well, Marta, it's been so nice having you on here and yes. hearing your story and how you let your light shine. And I mean, we see it. We, You're <laughs> yeah. a shining bright star. And I like what Mr. Rogers' mom told him, instead of being afraid, look for the helpers. And I think that about you and Greg, like... Look for the helpers. Look for the acres. Yeah. <laughs> you're safe. You're welcoming. You're resourceful. And you're just, it's just a blessing to have you in our lives and have you loving people so well at the church, in your neighborhood, in the yes. community, with your family. And so we thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye. Bye.